Hey everybody, so before we jump into today's podcast, I just wanted to A, thank you guys, give you a little bit of a reminder. If you enjoy this content, however you're watching it, consuming it, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever you gotta do, comment on it. If you can, leave us a review. It really helps us out and it can help grow our platform and reach more people. And if you know someone that can benefit from this, please share it with them. If you have a question, if you wanna reach out to us, let us know. And then lastly, we have all of our amazing programs, courses, and coaching available in the resources below. So check that out. Definitely take advantage of it. We have everything from free options all the way up to paid programs and everything in between to fit pretty much anyone's budget. And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you guys. Let's get on into the episode. And cheers, everybody. What is going on, y'all? So flying solo into this episode. Uh, this is another one we're probably going to have to do a multi-part series. We're going to kind of, you know, bring it home with the third part of the autoimmune uh, kind of series. And now we're going to kind of split this one up into introducing also the next series, which is going to be looking at kind of a sensitive topic. And it's one that I don't think it's talked enough about, honestly, in the fight and martial arts space. And it's, you know, kind of like eating disorders and disordered eating and, and kind of behavior patterns. And then looking at a topic that we're going to follow up even after that, which is looking at having a healthier relationship with food. And all of these things are really uh, a challenging thing. And, and I think they kind of can kind of build off of one another. Um, and, and so first, let's talk about, you know, autoimmune, looking at the variables there. And, and specifically kind of like, you know, we mentioned in the first two parts, looking at some of the things that you have control over when it comes to, because a lot of variables at play with when it comes to your body and the autoimmune conditions and diseases and things like your body attacking itself, the pain, the inflammation, you may not have exact control over. However, there are some things that you do have control over, what you're putting into your body, how you're exercising, if you're exercising, and how you actually choose to manage and handle stress, as well as trying to leverage as much of a sleep routine as where, you, where it's possible, because like pain can play a big role in that, um, and, and just even like hormones or transmitters, there's so many things that can come up with that. But recapping all those things that came up during the autoimmune series and kind of bringing that home before we dig into some of the things that can be related to around, you know, disordered eating and some of the variables that play there, especially in the fight world where like weight cutting is such a massive thing. Um, going back to the autoimmune component is again, recapping first off, looking for the symptoms, whether you, you, you're diagnosed with an autoimmune related condition or you may be suspecting that it may be something that you're dealing with or could be potentially having to face and deal with. And looking at the symptoms we talked about, whether it's like chronic fever, you know, uh, swollen, painful joints or just swelling across the body, having, uh, again, the GI distress or like just discomfort there on a chronic, most of this is gonna be on a chronic basis, right? Having constant and chronic fatigue, again, going back to the fever component of things, and then even being able to just like look at uh, some of the overall pain in general, like just constant and continuing pain. Those are all variables and symptoms that can be related to autoimmune conditions and diseases. So it's something to talk to your doctor about, to bring it up with them and, and see what they can discover and do that. Now, once you figure out like, all right, this is something that you're dealing with, again, still work with your healthcare providers, your medical team. Um, but it's something I wanna share with our clients and the audience out there that even our clients of ours, because it's something that even we work with our 
you know, uh, partners with doctors that like we were that refer people to us or that we have clients that are also working with other medical doctors, we don't have directly have in our network that we just communicate with. And it's something that's really important. So looking again at nutrition, gut health can play such a massive role in this. So again, looking at what you can control and putting into your body, for example, food wise is a component that you can certainly have a, a aspect of control of a massive control of. Um, whether it, you know there's certain limitations like financial resources like food scarcity where you're at you might be in what's considered a food desert where you may not have availability to food in like a 20 30 mile radius or, or it's hard to get things like that are definitely factors to consider however there's going to be a choice almost in any one of those situations to a certain capacity because of technology and because of the resources you have. If you're listening to this podcast, you have some kind of resources to like internet, to a smartphone, smart device, something like that, that we can leverage here. Um, Whether it's like looking at resources, like, hey, is there a program, whether it's like getting on food stamps or whatever that can look like from a financial side of it, and then making that budget work for you. And again, I know that like, there's this like stigma, which is very much true that, Working with, you know, like high end, like, uh, like fitness resources and foods can be expensive, which it can be in some cases, but there's actually, you know, we even have resources where it like does a cent per cent breakdown for calorie quality and like vitamins and minerals. And there's like a lot of food that you can get that can even be helpful when it comes to gut health and things like that. Now you may not be able to take certain supplements and probiotics and have access to that, but you can have yogurt, right? Greek yogurt, kefir, certain types of fermented foods. You can make your own potentially. Again, I mentioned this in a past podcast that, um, you know, even, even on like our medical team that we work with in, in partnerships and nutritionists I've talked to, they, they don't recommend doing it on your own unless you have like, like because it's a regulated industry for a reason. There is risk involved. Like you can get sick from it. There's downsides to it. But if you feel comfortable and you want to do the research, you want to try it yourself, I'm just throwing that out as a disclaimer. You can do that, okay? And, and the, you know, there, there could be, the pros cannot weigh the cons there. So from a nutritional standpoint, whether you have the resources or you, you don't at the moment, there's ways to go about finding it. And again, if you have issues with that, reach out to us, comment. If you don't feel comfortable commenting in a public platform, reach out to us via email, sign up for our newsletter. We have that information below in the description. Take advantage of it. Now, kind of moving that right along with that fermented side of it, you can take a probiotic, a prebiotic to help you out from a supplement standpoint. You can use the fermented foods like kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, uh, Greek yogurt, things like that. And then you can even pickle your own food and ferment your own food. Now, not all pickle foods are created equal. There's certain types of bacteria strains and things that will be related to that. Again, I share that in the part two series with resources around that we can dig into and you can go back to if you want to see that. But I just wanted to highlight some of that, some recap it, and then we're going to kind of dig into the next topic. And then going back to exercise, like being able to move, managing with what your body can handle and having movement can be really beneficial for arthritis, for varying degrees of arthritis. The, the kind of thing to consider here is, is it having a net positive on your quality of life or a negative? Meaning, do you feel better after you do it? And if it's, all right, I don't feel great right away, but over the long period of time and after talking to your doctor, like, hey, this is gonna be something that's gonna be good. And after maybe a couple of weeks or a couple of days, you're going to feel good then try that and stick with it. But if it's something that's not making you feel good, maybe you shouldn't do it. You got to find another option, whether it's, you know, looking at martial arts, whether it's looking at yoga, whether it's resistance training, weight training, body weight training, cardiovascular training, aqua therapy, water training, you know, swimming, surfing, whatever that could look like. Um, and, and kind of speaking of those components, there's something that I didn't talk about in the episodes that I wanted to bring up here. And this kind of shifts from the exercise now going into some of the 
other components, the miscellaneous categories of sleep, stress management, the seasonality of things. This is one I did in a social media post that I wanted to share here as well, just kind of offer that up in case anyone missed it, was whether humidity, climate, temperature all plays a role in how your body can actually respond and trigger some of those conditions. Now, everyone's not gonna react the same here. So that's something to consider as well. And the important thing is ultimately, again, communicating with your health team, but also finding out for yourself. Like usually dry, hot climates, and not like desert, but like warmer, drier climates are gonna have a better response for most people's conditions. But again, that's a very general statement. You have to kind of find out for yourself. So even figure out maybe like a Bikram yoga could be helpful for you, depending on the humidity there and like how sweaty it gets. Again. You have to figure out what's best for you. Talk to your doctor, talk to your medical team, but figuring out that component. And again, if you live in a very cold, like if you live in Colorado, for example, like the mountains of Colorado, even here in like Western North Carolina in the mountains, if you, you know, have the ability, like maybe you got to look at moving or maybe if you have the ability to have like somewhere to travel to in the seasons, like not everyone's going to have resources like that. But if it's an, if you have, look at your overall quality of life, where you're living isn't good for your quality of life, you may want to consider moving. Like if you're upstate New York and get really cold, maybe you want to move closer to, you know, the city or Westchester or somewhere south or get a little bit further there. Or if you're in like Florida and it's really humid, your body's not responding well, maybe you want to go somewhere a little bit drier. Um, or if you're in like Arizona, for example, you may want to stay there. Those are all things to consider. I just wanted to mention and bring up. Then kind of rounding out this topic of looking at also stress management and sleep and sleep routine. These are massive things that it can be really hard to dial in and they might be contributing in a way that you didn't think about or have to necessarily address yet because there's so many other components that can be challenging, whether it's like the actual pain that you're facing and then the pain might be keeping you up at night and then you have a hard time falling asleep. So trying to focus on what you can manage, which you pain, you can't say, hey body, turn off the pain response. It doesn't work that way, but you can control like, hey, I'm not gonna be on my phone an hour or two hours before I go to bed. I'm not gonna watch TV. I'm gonna read a book instead. I'm not gonna have any coffee or caffeine or stimulants after a certain period of time. I'm not gonna smoke cigarettes. I'm not gonna have nicotine. Those kinds of things can become really important. And then on the stress management side, even looking at, hey, maybe I have to eliminate certain people or triggers in my life. If someone, even if it's a family member, like I've had to do this myself, like distance myself from certain family because the trigger and the impact on my quality of life isn't worth it, honestly, at the end of the day. So that, and that can be a hard one to do and, and a hard pill to swallow, so to speak. So all these things aren't necessarily easy, but they're very important to be able to do. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there to bring that home. Now we're going to kind of like segue this. So this is going to be like a multi-packed episode. Um, also, if you guys are wondering, I, I'm holding a binky in my hand. I just like picked it up off the floor because my daughter was in here before. So if you ever happen to notice that's in my hand, that's what it is as I drop it. But so now we're going to kind of shift gears here. I wanted to kind of round out the part three for the three-part series for the autoimmune, but I also wanted to use this as like kind of a segue into the next multi-part series we're going to talk about, which is eating disorders and, and disordered eating in general. Um, and, and it's kind of tricky to bring up because we're also going to do a special, we're going to like break up this by also doing Next week, we'll talk about Chuck and myself, you know, Thanksgiving, what we're grateful for, recipes, all types of great stuff. But I think it was kind of relevant to talk about now before we dig into that next week with Chuck and myself, because around the holidays, it can be very, very tricky to manage, you know, with, you know, you're probably going to eat certain things that you don't always have year round. And then that's where it becomes a slippery slope, especially for my like fighters, my athletes out there. There's something I even very transparently has faced. Like I've never had an official diagnosed eating disorder. However, having to cut weight for a career, 
I would walk around maybe 190, 200 pounds and cut down 155 to 170 pounds. That doesn't create, you know, sustainable, healthy habits in the beginning. It took me a very long time to realize this and start to like shift and transition weight. So now I walk around still around like 200 pounds, give or take float between the 185, 205, trying to kind of play and figure out what's best for my body in that range while I'm working on sleep and all these other things that I'm managing. But, and, and again, seeing what's best for me and sustainable and what my goals are. But like the big thing, and again, I, I'm not a specialist in eating. Like there's actual clinical nutritionists and dietitians that will be specialists in this particular category. I am not that by any means. We do have dietitians and nutritionists on our team that have specialties there. We can refer you to that. We can kind of connect you to them. If you guys want that, again, feel free to just contact us below via our email or reach out to us on our website. We can kind of set that up. But I think it's something we just have to start to talk about in the fight world, especially um, because anyone that cuts weight for a living, you you probably are going to start to develop some kind of disordered eating and then potentially unhealthy relationship with food. That doesn't mean it's everybody, but there's going to be the potentiality for that to happen. And it's so important to address earlier and earlier as possible in a career. So like, for example, I have young fighters, like a 19 year old kid who's cutting weight for the first time. And he's like really stressing out. I'm like, listen, man, we're not gonna just do like water cut the day before. We're not gonna like starve you and things like that. We're going to look at your body composition. We're going to look at what's healthy for you. And we're gonna maintain a healthy relationship with food and with your body and throughout that as much as possible. And being able to start to question like, hey, do you notice that you might start to binge quite a bit after fights, like putting on 20 pounds or 15 pounds or like, and I've been there myself. Like I, I still honestly, sometimes like, I'll be honest with you guys, after something, I have some chocolate peanut butter cups and some dehydrated mangoes. Now I've changed that from eating like an entire pumpkin pie and like sprinkling M&Ms and stuff on that after like a fight to doing this instead. So I get chocolate, I get peanut butter, I get some fruit in there, I get my fix, but like it's not as crazy and unhealthy. But the, the point of me sharing all that is looking at some of the behavior patterns you start to develop and you see in yourself and the questions that you're starting to have or the thoughts that are going on in your mind like, oh, um, I, I shouldn't eat that. Or, or like you go from those massive binges and purges, like massively binging on food and then you're purging afterwards. Like all these variables, again, it's sometimes people don't want to talk about or can be tricky to talk about, but I think it's really important to have. And if there's anyone out there, if you guys want to come on the podcast to talk about this, you always have a platform if you feel comfortable. And if not, you want to talk about it in private, reach out to myself and our team. We're happy to talk about it and either help you ourselves or connect the dots to someone that can be more relevantly helpful for you. And that's something that I just wanted to kind of like take a moment to highlight and look at. So, and we can break this down very much more so with Chuck and myself in a part two, maybe even a part three. Maybe we'll have some other guests on to talk about that because I have a variety of clients, honestly, that have disordered eating issues. I, I've gone through variations of it myself and I'll just share a quick story with you guys. When I first lost weight at 16 years old, I was about 230 pounds and then I went down to 150-ish pounds. So I lost like, let's call it, 80 pounds in maybe like four months, not like three and a half, four months, you know, not healthy whatsoever. So basically from like June, let's call it May to September, you know, not healthy. So May, June, July, August, September, five months even. Let's call it five months, play it safe, but 80 pounds in five months. That's not very healthy or sustainable in the long run of things. Like I'm almost, I'm 200 pounds right now. So like that's where I should be natural. It's kind of like maybe like 185, 190, um, depending on what's going on with my sleep and my training and, and all that kind of fun stuff. But like I'm floating right around where my set weight is after years of like coming off of training and seeing all that fun stuff. So like 
I can understand the psychology behind it. You become obsessed with it. You're like, oh, it's cool to have control over something like that. Once you figure out what works, the downside is then I started losing hair, for example. You can potentially have such a negative impact on your hormones, on your growth. Pending, I was 16, so like I might have lost developing as far as my height. I was supposed to be like taller than I am. Six foot, I could have been like 6'2", maybe 6'3". Um, possibly, again, I'm not a doctor, but take that with a grain of salt. But like these kinds of things are the, the things you got to think about. It's hard to think about because you're, you're like so caught up in the moment. You're so caught up in the, hey, I, I want to have control over this. I want to see the scale go down. Or, oh, it's working. It's like addictive. So I wanted to share that with you guys and kind of throw that out there and just bring it up as a topic. Now, I'm not going to throw any like, hey, do this, or I don't have any magic answer for you guys. It's really more so to create awareness and to create resources. So again, not only ourselves here, but we'll also just share some resources, some hotlines that you can use completely free. Some of them are government-based, some of them are independent party-based, just things that can be out there to help support you. And really, if you just need someone to talk to, we're here as well. And, and, and also use the hotlines and the resources as well. And that's why they're there for a reason. And just reaching out to a friend, man, because it can feel really lonely when you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do and you don't think anyone can relate to it and you feel stuck. And it's, it's really just a shitty place to be. And I understand that. I've been there myself in a variety of ways and can, not even just with disordered eating, which is like depression and mental health and things like that too. So I think it's all so interconnected. And that even goes back to the prior topic of like autoimmune health and disease. Because then you start to like, they can kind of, all these things can kind of get intertwined or interwoven because then you're like, all right, well, I'm limited with this food. I'm going to do this. And you become hyper obsessive and then, or you go the complete opposite direction. And then you, you just have a bad relationship with your body, with your food, all these other things. So anyways, with that being said, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there for you guys. This is just the first part. I wanted to introduce it, to bring it up, to see what it brings up for you guys. Feel free to comment on these where it's public if you want to. If not, reach out to us privately. Let us know you know, what it would be helpful for us to continue to elaborate on here. And then also we're going to Thanksgiving next week or the episode will drop next week. We'll go into Thanksgiving recipes, things that we're grateful for, and then it's gonna be Thanksgiving right after that. Um, so I thought it was kind of relevant because know that you're not alone, especially during this time of year. It can be tough going into the holidays, going into Thanksgiving. It can be easy to write off like, oh, I, I, like you can kind of slide with certain behaviors or things. It can kind of be very unhealthy and kind of dangerous, honestly. Not even kind of. It can be really dangerous um, to know you're not alone. And then Chuck and myself will dig into like things we're grateful for. So completely shifting gears just a little bit for one week um, and go over even healthy recipes that you can integrate that are delicious, that you can enjoy, you don't have to feel guilty about. Um, and then there's also some psychology stuff behind that that you should probably not, I won't even touch upon because that goes outside my scope, but I like, talk to a therapist about uh, specialist on that. If you're, you're having a lot of the issues with the food side of things, the guilt that can be associated with that. And then honestly, enjoy food too, like finding the balance there. So with all that being said, I'm going to bring it home. I appreciate you guys. Thank you as always. And I will check you next week. Yeah, y'all. So I just wanted to say thank you guys again for watching, listening, consuming that episode. If you guys enjoyed it and you haven't already, please like, uh, please comment. If you haven't reviewed, please leave a review. If you haven't followed or subscribed, please do that as well. Again, it tremendously helps us out. And then just a quick reminder, if you guys want more resources, we have them below. We have our programs, everything from free all the way up to paid and kind of everything in between dial in with the customization. And we have more information on different programs and resources in our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for that, do so below. It's free. And that is it y'all. See you on the next one.